Hello and welcome back to the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green. This is a podcast where we remind ourselves that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. This is season six with the Scattered Abroad Network. Of course, don't forget about those other seasons, uh, pre-scattered abroad. We've got a couple of those you can all, always go back and listen to as well. But uh, season six with the Scattered Abroad Network, it's really hard to believe that we're here. This is the second episode of the season. I do want to say something that uh, we didn't mention last week, but uh, a new life update for my family. Our fourth child was brought into the world uh, back in May, May 16th, Olivia was born to our family, so three girls and and one boy in our family, and we're just so tickled to death uh, to welcome her into the world, and uh, we certainly appreciate your prayers uh, on our growing family's behalf. Just wanted to give that life update and uh, speak as as a proud dad for sure. We are talking about some some various topics, as we have said this uh, podcast season. But we're also going through and finishing up the general epistles. Of course, we did cover James one season, and then uh, a season after, or a couple seasons after that, we covered First and Second Peter. Now we're looking at First John, Second John, Third John, and Jude, and uh, that's the plan for this season, as well as a few other various topics, as we have stated. So we're looking at First John on the podcast this week, and uh, as we begin, we want to. Uh, kind of give a brief introduction to First John. Conservative scholars scholarship virtually all accepts the fact that uh, the Apostle John is the author. Of course, John is often called the Apostle of Love, and uh, he speaks of love a lot in the New Testament. Of course, uh, Paul does as well. I find it interesting that we we refer to John as the apostle of love, but uh, Paul also talks about love a lot as well. But nonetheless, uh, certainly John talks about it a lot. And uh, he is said to be uh, traditionally the only apostle who died of natural causes uh, at an old age. And that's something always uh, interesting to think about at least. There is a great deal of similarity between the epistles of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and John's gospel account. Just uh, for an example, the words life, light, love, darkness, death, the world, fellowship, truth, these are all important words that appear in both uh, John, the the gospel account, as well as 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. The book of 1st John begins just like the gospel account of John begins, and we'll talk about that momentarily. And uh, John also refers to Jesus as the capital W Word and also the only begotten Son in both his gospel accounts and his epistles as well. If John is the apostle of, of love, his first epistle could be called the epistle of love, and we're about to see why as we study through it. He is uh, also known for emphasizing the importance of knowing things, which is interesting because John was also writing to deal with the Gnostic heresies. What were the Gnostics saying? Well, they were saying that we know various things that you aren't smart enough to know about. And, uh, of course, we can know things. The Bible teaches us very plainly that we can know the truth and the truth will set us free. Uh, But unfortunately, the Gnostics were saying that they could know things that were quite frankly, false, and we'll get into a little bit of that, but uh, 
But anyways, John does emphasize the importance of knowing, and uh, he emphasizes the the right uh, emphasis of knowing, not the wrong like the, the Gnostics. So he does deal with some common errors, uh, misunderstandings regarding the deity of Christ. For instance, the Gnostics did not believe in the deity of Christ, so John has to address that. Uh, also, the human side of Christ as well. You know, the, the Gnostics and others were mixed up on that also. Um, some denied that Jesus could have been the Messiah. Uh, the Greeks were notorious for not understanding how how can uh, God, God the Son, how could God die for us and then rise again? Uh, a lot of the the Greek mentality they they couldn't wrap their mind around that. Of course, the Jews they couldn't wrap their mind around. Uh, Jesus being the Messiah, because they thought that Jesus was going to be like a, a warrior kind of king who was going to uh, help them depose Rome. And so uh, there was a problem with the Jews there. So John can, uh, when we read his writings, he can help address uh, some of these errors. Let's go ahead and begin in First John chapter 1, and we want to look at verses 1 through 3 as we begin. The essence of Jesus Christ and his confirmed message. Verse number one says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. That sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? If we're familiar with uh, the gospel account of John, of course, John chapter 1, verses 1 and following. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. So what is John's point as far as it pertains to Jesus being present at the beginning? Well, his point is that Jesus has always been God. When God said in Genesis 1 verse 26, let us make man in our image according to our Likeness. Well, of course, as Christians, we understand that. That means God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So God the Son was present at creation. The Hebrews writer confirms this as well in Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2. It says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom, through his Son, also, he made the worlds. So Jesus was present at the beginning. Jesus is eternal uh, because God is eternal. And uh, John 8, verse 58 speaks to this as well. Uh, Jesus there says, before Abraham was, past tense, I am, Jesus says, present tense. And that's uh, kind of a head scratcher. You know, when you think about it in our terms, we would not be able to say something like that. Before so-and-so was, I am. We couldn't say that. But uh, Jesus can because he is eternal. And that's certainly a fascinating verse there in John 8, verse 58. Of course, John 1, verse 14, if we go back to John chapter 1, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, the Gnostics, of course, did not believe this. The unbelieving Jews did not believe it as well. And so right off the bat, G John uh, deals with these particular errors uh, regarding the deity of Christ. 
He says, that which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled. In other words, what John is saying is that the apostles were eyewitnesses. Their testimony was an eyewitness testimony that Jesus Christ indeed was the Messiah. He indeed was who he said he was. Now, in order to be an apostle, of course, one had to be an eyewitness. You go back to Acts chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, and you'll see that. And of course, Matthias was chosen of that number of, of those who had been with Jesus all along as, as a witness of him. And uh, it had to be that uh, if one were to be an apostle. Luke 24, verse 39, uh, Luke comes right out and tells us that the apostles saw and handled Christ after his resurrection. So again, that's a very important point. Sometimes maybe we overlook that point, but an important point nonetheless being that Jesus uh, resurrected in the flesh once again was handled by the apostles. They knew for a fact, hey, this was him. They weren't uh, they weren't seeing a hologram. Um, they weren't uh, seeing things or what have you. No, they saw Jesus Christ. Look at verse number two here. And uh, in First John chapter one, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Again, same concept. And by the way, the apostles they were willing to die for uh, their belief in the facts of the gospel, in the facts of the resurrected Jesus Christ. Verse number three: That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. The point of this is that you also may have fellowship with us. And so the point being that we can have fellowship with the Father, we can have fellowship with Christ. And when we do, we have fellowship with one another as Christians as well. Now, a brief point is to be made in verse number four. It says, in these things we write to you, these uh, facts of the gospel, we write to you that your joy may be full. An important side effect, if you will, of being a Christian is that we have joy. We have inexpressible joy. We have peace that surpasses understanding. We serve a God of all comfort. And all these sorts of things should always be in the back of our minds as Christians. Uh, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As we often sing with our young people, hopefully, the uh, fruit of the Spirit song, uh, of course, coming from Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, one of those fruits of the Spirit is joy. And uh, if we are not joyful as Christians, then we have to ask ourselves, why not? And uh, if we are not joyful, then dare I say that is actually proof that we're not faithful Christians and we need to check ourselves to make sure uh, we need to examine ourselves to make sure that we are indeed in the faith. Well, finally, for this week's episode, we want to look at verses five through 10. I have uh, summarized these verses as follows imperatives to maintain the fellowship that we have with God and with one another. These are imperative. These are things that must be. 
if we're going to have fellowship, number one, with God in heaven, number two, with one another as Christians, then verse number five and following, this must be. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is all good all the time. There's a word that we can use to describe this, and that is omnibenevolent. Sometimes we say omniscient, which means all-knowing, and that describes God. Sometimes we talk about uh, omni, God's omnipresence, um, his omnipotence, his all-powerful nature as well. And another one is his omnibenevolence. God is all good all the time. In other words, he never makes a wrong call. He never does anything wrong whatsoever. Jesus, of course, God the Son, never once did anything wrong. He never had a sinful thought or a sinful action. Hebrews 4 verse 15 puts it this way, He was tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. And so Christ is light. God is light. There's no darkness in Him. Of course, you can contrast that with the the one who is all darkness, and of course that is Satan. And uh, we need to expose his darkness. We need to point it out. We need to show others that uh, the devil is is full of darkness. This this world is full of so much darkness, and uh, we need to shine the light so people can can come out of the darkness. Verse number six says, "If we say that we have fellowship with him, but we do what? If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie." Do not practice the truth. Christians, everyday Christians, we have to remember that we're not allowed as Christians to be pretenders. We either legitimately follow Christ or we don't. There's no middle ground in being a Christian. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we're perfect. Of course we're not. If we think that that we have to be perfect or if we think that we're capable of being perfect, we've got another thing coming because we're not. But we have to walk in the light. Um, People who walk in the light, they're not going to be dallying, quote unquote, in sinful practices. They're not going to be uh, getting caught up in sinful practices. Will they stumble from time to time? Yes. But what does a Christian do when he stumbles? Well, we'll get to that in verse number seven. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The same blood of Jesus Christ who cleansed us when we obeyed the gospel from all those sins that we had committed. When we sin again from time to time, his blood will cleanse us of our sins. But what do we have to do? We have to walk in the light. Um, Sometimes we refer to this idea as the second law of pardon. You can study this in Acts chapter 8, for instance. There, the Simon the sorcerer was caught up in sin once again when he thought that he could purchase the power that the apostles had to impart miraculous abilities. He thought he could purchase that and then, I'm sure, make a lot of money off of it. Peter, of course, told him, your money will perish with you. You need to repent of that, basically. And so he was told to repent and pray to God that perhaps the thought of his heart might be forgiven him. Well, that's what we need to do when Uh, We sin as Christians. When we stumble from time to time, we need to repent, confess it to God, pray that he would forgive us uh, once again. Again, that is um, 
sometimes we refer to that as the second law of pardon, and that should characterize our lives as we walk in the light. Choosing to live in unrepentant, willful sin, what would that do for us? Well, Hebrews 10 verse 26 says, For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. The Hebrews writer goes on and describes how such a one tramples the Son of God underfoot. Um, It's just a a horrible thought. I think of uh, in Peter that we talked about a couple of seasons ago how uh, Peter describes that uh, one who has left the faith, it's like one who uh, was a pig that was washed but returned to wallowing in the mire, or like a dog who uh, returns to his own vomit even. Just uh, grotesque pictures, but it shows us that, hey, if we stop walking in the light, if we refuse to repent, uh, then that's that's what it looks like, and uh, and God will not approve. Hebrews 6, verses 4 through 6 says, For it is impossible for, for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have t- uh, tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God. Uh, they crucify him afresh, the King James Version says, and put him to an open shame. What is that verse saying, or those several verses in Hebrews 6 saying? They're saying that uh, if somebody voluntarily removes himself from the blood of Christ because uh, he's living in unrepentant, willful sin, then it's impossible to uh, renew him back to repentance. Can he repent himself? Yes, but we can't force him to. Uh, I think sometimes we want to force people to repent. We we see somebody who's fallen away, and we just— We just want to grab them and shake them and say, get right. But we can't make them get right. They have to change their heart uh, and then change their actions. Godly sorrow producing repentance, as uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 teaches. They've got to make those changes themselves. Well, we've got to stay on the path. We've got to keep walking in the light. What if someone uh, has a momentary lapse, a momentary sin, and they do get off the path? What then? Well. Get back on the path, right? It's uh, it's it's not hard to understand. Get back on the horse, as we uh, sometimes say. If I am walking in the light by practice, then when I do stumble from time to time, and by the way, I have to admit that, as we're about to see in subsequent verses, but uh, if I stumble from time to time, then I must repent and confess those sins to God as we're about to see, again, sometimes called the second law of pardon, and the blood will cleanse me of those sins, the blood of Christ. Verse number eight, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Again, this is, it goes back to what I said earlier. None of us are perfect. Uh, if we ever think that we're going to obtain perfection, if we ever think that that we are perfect, then we are sadly mistaken, and this verse is for us. We're not perfect. We do mess up. We do stumble. We sin from time to time, and when we do, we have to acknowledge that. We have to confess it. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There was a song 
from 1969. I'm sure you've probably heard it. It's called Spirit in the Sky. Uh, There's a line in this song that is absolutely horrendous. In the song Spirit in the Sky, I think by Norman Greenbaum, I believe is his name. uh, There's a line in the song that says, it says, uh, never been a sinner. I never sinned. I got a friend in Jesus. Friends, that's blasphemy. That is absolutely untrue. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3, verse 23. You know, come to think of it, I'm thinking uh, it's kind of a religious kind of song, and it's got instruments in it anyway, so just don't even listen to that. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure you've probably heard the song, though. Uh, but definitely that that one line, it's just mind-boggling. Uh, where he says, never been a sinner, I've never sinned, I got a friend in Jesus. That is that is totally false, uh, and, and true understanding of the gospel uh, disproves that totally. Uh, as we've mentioned in verse number 9, there are conditions to continually receiving the blood, uh, the cleansing of the blood of Christ. We have to be willing to confess our sins to God. We have to admit our imperfections, our flaws, our faults. Um, Galatia, I mean, uh, James chapter five, verse 16, it talks about how we're to confess our faults to one another, to, uh, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. And, uh, we need to open up to our brethren. We need to talk to one another so that we can be there for one another and help one another with the various things that we, uh, struggle with. Finally, verse number 10, it says, uh, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him, we make God out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. So not only are we deceiving ourselves if we say we have no sin, but in effect, when we say that, in effect, we would make God out to be a liar. Certainly he is not. So what does that say about such a statement if we are to make it? We're dead wrong. We absolutely do sin. Um, We have to admit our sins. We have to admit our imperfections before God. And pray for his mercy. You know, I think back to uh, the parable of the the uh, the publican and uh, the Pharisee. The Pharisee has this long prayer. Oh, I, I thank God for this, 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 and this. I'm so glad that I'm this, 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 and this. I'm so glad I'm not like that publican over there. Right? Paraphrase, paraphrasing heavily. What does the publican say? God, have mercy to me, a sinner. Please have mercy. For my sins. That's the kind of attitude that we have to have. Um, We have to be willing to admit our imperfections, confess them to God. When we do stumble, repent, confess it, pray. He's just. He'll forgive us uh, if we're Christians. That's the blessing that we have as everyday Christians. As we continue to study the book of 1 John, we're going to see, uh, as we sometimes sing, We're going to see that we have this blessed assurance that we have in Christ and the hope of the gospel, and that's that's wonderful. Such an important concept, such an important book in 1 John. What do we do if and when we do sin? Well, we've talked about that in this week's lesson. We'll continue to talk about that as we continue our study of 1 John. Tune in next week as we continue. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. 
May God bless you.